You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. We're currently in a series at the moment entitled Healthy Church. We've been looking at um, how we want to build a church here at Redeemer. And so far, we've already looked at things such as commitment, community, serving. But this morning, I want to look at the whole subject of diversity in the church. So that's what I'm going to be speaking about today. We are very privileged, I'm sure you would agree, to live in such a diverse city. It's estimated that there are over 300 languages spoken in London, which is more than any other city in the world. It is one of the most diverse places on the planet. It has got a very diverse population. Um, I recently saw a survey, actually, in the Telegraph, which was asking their readers the best thing that they thought about being in London. What do they think the best thing about being in London was? And amongst the answers was Oxford Street on a Saturday afternoon. I don't know if anyone's there. I certainly would be. Um, It was the fact that the Queen lives here. I don't know if we've got any royalists amongst us. But actually, the top answer with 38% of the votes was the fact uh, that London is diverse. The The diversity was the top reason why people enjoyed living in the capital. And even in our part of the city, in Ealing, uh, it's incredibly diverse. I know in a recent um, census that they did, it was recognized as being the fourth most ethnically diverse uh, local authority area in the country, with over 170 different nations being represented here. As Pete said, we've been out this week, well actually he has, that's the royal we, Uh, inviting our neighbours around. We do mulled wine and mince pies each year at our house. And even in just the houses next to us, we've got South Africans, we've got Caribbean, we've got Polish, we've got Romanian, we've even got Scottish over the road. So, um, you know, it's always interesting as we gather together and hear one another's stories. I teach in a local primary school, And in my class, it is at least 50% of children, uh, English is not their first language. And and I'm sure many of you would relate to traveling on the 207 along the Uxbridge Road. Sometimes you even struggle to hear people speaking in English. It is a very diverse place that we live in. So how does this impact us as a church and the way that God wants to establish his community here in Redeemer for his glory. Well, Tim Keller, an American pastor, theologian, and author, argues that churches should be as multi-ethnic as their neighborhoods. So this morning, I want to look at why diversity in the church is important, not because of a political issue, but actually because it's in recognition of who God is and his story and intention for mankind. So I've got three reasons, I'm sure there are many reasons, but I want to look at three reasons today why diversity is really important for the church. And my first one is the fact that we serve a diverse God. You know, the very character and nature of God is diverse. You know, this is evident in the triunity of the Godhead. We've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three distinct persons and yet one Godhead who relate together 
in perfect community together. Unity that's expressed in diversity. And I believe that this is a model for our relationships with one another. The Trinity relate in love. It says in 1 John 4, verses 9 and 11, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. God expressed his love to us in a really tangible way. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world. And this should be our aim as we seek to develop relationships across the divides of culture, age, status, relationships that you know, demonstrate genuine love and commitment to one another. You know, offering to babysit, love in action, offering to babysit, helping with technology, I could do with plenty of help for that. Celebrating together, you know, how do we actually show love to one another in practical ways? I know love can sometimes be costly, it can be inconvenient, and sometimes it can even be sacrificial, but that is God's example to us, active love. The Trinity also relate in submission. In Luke 3, at the baptism of Jesus, we see every member of the Trinity being fully who they are in relation to one another. You know, we see the obedience of the Son to the Father. We see the approval of the Father to the Son and the empowering of the Son by the Holy Spirit. And I think for some of us, submitting to people who are different from us can actually be a humbling and a bit of a challenging experience. You know, we like to think that our way of doing things is the right way, you know, from our perspective. And I think a good place to start is often recognizing or acknowledging when we're imposing maybe our culture or values on others and by judging them by our own cultural expectations or standards. You know, we don't all necessarily follow the same timekeeping rules or we don't all like the music maybe played at the same volume. Um, it's easy to get frustrated rather than honoring and submitting to one another. The Trinity also relate in intimacy. In John 17, Jesus prays for the believers that they would be one, that they would be united as he is with the Father, a people belonging to God that reflect the nature and character of God. It's really a prayer of intimacy that comes out of Jesus's relationship with the Father. Let me just read it to you, John 17. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have also given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me, even uh, love them even as you have loved me. I think developing relationships across the divide should be characterized 
by intimacy, a level where we can be really open and honest with each other, maybe about our concerns or our prejudices or our hopes and dreams without the fear of being misunderstood or rejected. I remember someone sharing with me once what it was like for her growing up as a young black woman in South Africa and just the segregation um, that she had to sort of tolerate, she was forced to accept and then how it felt when a white person from the same town actually joined our church and how she sort of found that and just, just being really honest and open and vulnerable. Those are the sorts of relationships that we should seek to build. Because in Christ, these relationships are possible. You know, it's, it's not just with people who are like us, but also with people who are different. Different ages, different cultures, different walks of life. You know, I guess a natural danger can just be to stay in a clique of people who are similar to us. Often we feel more comfortable then. But actually, I believe God wants us to step out of that comfort zone and cross the barriers that society so often impose. You know, because we're united in God, not a similar circumstance that we might find ourselves in. And God loves unity, doesn't he? He blesses it, it says in Psalm 133. So that's my first thing. We serve a diverse God. Secondly, I think diversity is important because we have a diverse story. You know, God's story that we read through the Bible has diversity thread all through it. It begins in Genesis and it ends in Revelation. You know, we read in the beginning of Genesis, Genesis 1, verse 1, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I think if you look around, God's creation is remarkably diverse. I think if you've particularly, if you've had the privilege of traveling to other parts of the world, you will probably agree with this. I remember going to Austria for the first time and just seeing mountains and thinking, wow, they are spectacular. We really do just have hills in England. Um, but you know, his creation, it's incredible. It's full of diversity, full of difference, full of variety. And then the Bible says that God created man and woman. So God created mankind in his own image. The image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, you cannot get more different from that, can you? But that's probably a whole sermon, so I'm not going to go there today. But even in his creation of us, we are very diverse. You can look around, you know, some people, they've got the beard thing going on, other people, you know, you think, oh, great, I'm glad I don't look like her. We don't all look the same, maybe. But actually, God loves his, the variety. You know, it's something of him and his creativity. But also, I want to pick out from this verse that God created everything in, or everyone in his image. So regardless of ethnic group or people group, everybody has the capacity to image him, to image God. Desmond Tutu, who is a South African civil rights activist and former bishop, says, isn't it amazing 
that we are all made in God's image, and yet there is so much diversity among his people. However, the story goes on to tell us that sin entered the world and brought about hatred, selfishness, pride, arrogance, which has actually resulted in some shocking and terrible treatment of human beings by others. You know, when Adam sinned, that perfect harmony that God had created between um, uh, man and the world, it was lost. It all changed in that moment. And in Genesis, a bit further on, we read that not only came separation from God and a distortion of the relationship between man and woman, but also between nations. In chapter 11, we read the story of the Tower of Babel, where the people wanted to build a tower to the heavens that would make their name great, that would bring glory to them. And in judgment, God scattered the people. He confused their languages by giving them different languages and caused uh, a division between the nations. But we know that God is not only a God of judgment, he is a God of mercy. And in the very next chapter, in chapter 12, we read of God's plan of redemption. That it's not just for an individual, but for the nations through God's promise to Abraham that all the nations would be blessed through him. This is Genesis chapter 12. It says, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Isn't it great? God always had the nations on his heart. And this promise is actually repeated and referred to throughout the Bible. Later on in the Old Testament, we read of one of the major prophets, Isaiah, who paints an amazing picture of the church at the forefront of reconciliation and a bringing of the nations together to the point where others look on in order to find out for themselves what God is like. This is what it says in Isaiah 2, verse 2. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all the nations will stream to it. You know, no other religion or philosophy of life offers the same opportunity for unity in diversity as the church does. Owen Hilton, who's actually a church leader and author from South London, he sums this up brilliantly. He says, when nations come together across all sorts of barriers of history, race, and stereotypes, the church does something that no other group or society can dream of. And the great thing is that in God, this is possible. It's not something that we just can dream of. Actually, God enables this to us to experience this for real. He enables this to be a reality. 
We follow diversity into the New Testament, where first of all, Jesus surrounds himself with a very diverse group of followers, and then he commissions them in Matthew 28, verse 19, where he says, go and make disciples of all nations. You know, not just individual places, but all nations. And then at Pentecost, once Jesus has returned to heaven, he tells his disciples, wait, wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And he's poured out on the disciples and all the nations were impacted. You know, they went outside and they spoke in different languages and all the nations were impacted. Whereas once God had separated the nations and confused their languages, this is an example where we see the process of him restoring them to himself and to one another. And then we see, we witness diversity in the New Testament church, in Ephesus, in Corinth, in Antioch. We read in Acts 13 that for the Antioch church, the ministry leaders were very diverse. There was Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Saul, Menaean, Jews and Gentiles, those from different cultures, classes, and linguistic backgrounds, all ministering together. And I think it's important to realize that God doesn't want us just to be together in our differences, but actually be willing to work together, to serve together, um, you know, praying together, evangelizing together, teaching together, fasting together. This is what's modeled to us by the New Testament church. And then our story finishes in Revelation, where we read of God's people, a gathered community from every nation and tribe worshiping the Lamb on the throne. Revelation 7, 9 says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes. They were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And I believe diversity gives us a glimpse of heaven. You know, there's going to be a sense of awe and wonder as we're gathered together. You know, all of us who are so very different, united together. You know, only God can do that. And that was his intention, you know, from the very beginning. That's like the conclusion to his story. And then lastly, I believe that diversity is important because it's a fulfillment of the gospel. You know, we see in the gospels how Jesus fulfills his own prayer for unity. The same prayer that he prayed in John 17 he goes to the cross and he's punished for your sin and for my sin. Why is that? To unite us to God. You know, God had a plan for the redemption of his people. And the plan was fulfilled when he sent Jesus into the world to pay the price for our sin and bring us back into a relationship with God. And, you know, it's the only way that we could be reunited with God. He lived a perfect life. He lived without sin. 
He, he gave up his unity with the Father uh, so that we could be united with God. That is amazing. That is brilliant. So Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross not only brought about a reconcili- reconciliation between us and God, but also a reconciliation between us and one another. You know, that's the power of the gospel. Let's read in Ephesians 2, 13 to 16, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus creating peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Paul here is talking of the fact that Jews and Gentiles are now brought together in Christ. Previously, there would have been a lot of hostility between them, often between different people groups. There there is a lot of hostility. But actually, through Jesus' victory on the cross, all those barriers have been destroyed. Even in the temple, Um, in the Old Testament, you would have gone in, there would have been certain places where only the Gentiles could go, or only the women could go so far. But actually, through Jesus' victory on the cross, those barriers no longer apply. So, the gospel reconciles us with God, but also with people who are different from us. And through this, we become a powerful testimony and demonstration of unity. I think diversity, therefore, reflects something of God's ultimate salvation plan, a fulfillment of his promise and a demonstration of his glory. As John Piper, who's a teacher and author from the U.S., says, diversity magnifies the glory of God now. That's so true, isn't it? So how do we make this totally practical? There's no doubt that our lives are enriched, by one another, uh, you know, with people from a different culture or perspective to us. And it's good to acknowledge and recognize this. Uh, I'm not just talking about enjoying different foods, although I know we have much to learn from the Indians about tasteful food and good curries, uh, and uh, the Caribbeans about movement and rhythm, you know, we've got much to learn. But also, just the way that we think differently or even relate uh, to one another in a different way. Some cultures are naturally more optimistic. That's not the British one, in case you were wondering. Um, Or energetic or enthusiastic. Other cultures are more creative or appreciative or thankful. You know, some are very generous. They like to be very generous with their food and just their time. All these different cultural traits come together. It adds something to us that we can all benefit from and also that we can learn from and our lives can be enriched from. You know, I think some cultures give particularly high honor to 
family, and particularly older members. Um, in, in my culture, often we give a lot more respect and ear time to younger people. We think they've got all the answers. But actually, you know, I'm really grateful to um, older members amongst us who, have, who kind of a witness of what it's like to, to run the journey for a long time and still be serving faithfully. I, I find that really inspiring. Um, but it's not always straightforward. You know, because of our differences, because we think differently and maybe approach things differently, sometimes it can be a little bit frustrating. Golly, I don't really like doing it like this. But actually, we need grace for one another. We need understanding and a willingness to compromise. That Actually, it's not always going to be done in the way that we want it to. Or forgive people when naturally they probably will hurt us or disappoint us. You know, it's, it's easy to get hurt through misunderstandings and through approaching things in a different way. So let's ask God for help and then let's be proactive because that's God's example to us, isn't it? So I've got a few things here that maybe um, you might think, yeah, actually, I could do that. Ask someone their story. You know, listen and take time about their life and their relationships. Maybe someone in a different age group or a different people group to you. Let's be interested in, you know, listening and enjoying relationships with one another. Invite someone round from a different culture or age group. Aim to build relationships that are out of your comfort zone. Ouch, you know. Let's try and make sure that we're, we're crossing, as I said before, those divides, those barriers that uh, society would naturally put up. I think if you head up a team or you're involved in a project, it's good to involve people that are maybe different. Um, I always thought it was great when John, I know, used to organize the collecting of the offering and you've got a pensioner and a teenager serving in the same team together. I think that's actually a really powerful statement. It's a great witness. So aim to build teams of people that are different. And then I think for some of you, there may even be issues of actually I need to forgive. Maybe even here you've been irritated by others that actually is not helping you to move forward in healthy relationships. You may need to forgive them. Or it may be far deeper issues of the way that you've maybe been treated growing up or bad experiences that you've had, that actually you just need to ask God to come and help you to forgive so that you can actually build really healthy relationships again. And then I think the whole thing of appreciating difference. You know, rather than seeing um, our differences as an obstacle and maybe a bit of a barrier to fulfilling relationships, actually appreciating them and seeing them as opportunities for us to learn from one another as we build um, with diversity. So I think, why don't we ask God to help us to be a church where we can be united on mission, regardless of race, of age, of class, of culture. Don't you think that would be a really prophetic statement as we stand together, a multi-ethnic socially diverse and multi-generational community.
I think it would be great in a moment to have an opportunity to respond and to pray for one another, but I'm going to ask Pete to facilitate that. So, is that okay?